Welcome to Lily High on Life. Today's guest is Rebetson Sarah. Rebetson Sarah, welcome to Lily High on Life. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I say that with a smile because you are the most non-Jewish looking Jewish woman. And then I found out that you're a Rebetson as well. So have you had much of that all of your life? Oh, you're hilarious. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> um, yeah, I've sort of had that in my life. Um, it was funny because my dad, um, my dad's from Russia. Uh, my mom's um, background is Polish and Russian. Um, um, and they're both Jewish. Um, one was Holocaust survivor and the other one, you know, um, communism. So um, I did get married. When I got married to my husband, a lot of people thought he was my dad's son and I was the shiksa. So <laughs> that was always funny. But um, no, but it's, you know, it's been good. Um, I'm, you and, know. Yeah, you're from America. So yes. Everybody can hear the accent. Yes. How did you end up in Australia? So that's a great question. A lot of people ask me that. Um, I was born and bred in San Francisco, California. Um, my parents are Rabbi and Rebetzin. Um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe sent them to San Francisco to open a Chabad house specifically for Russian Jews, so a shul for Russian Jews, um, just because my dad speaks Russian. And then I went to school, high school in Chicago, met my husband in New York. Then we got married and lived in a few places and was, it, was yeah. it like, because we have arranged marriages in the Jewish community, was it like an arranged marriage for you to meet him or did you just happen to? So that's, a, so that's um, interesting because um, his sister was roommates with me in Israel. So she was my roommate and a year later she actually set us up. So in the religious world, you either have a matchmaker set you up or a friend could be the matchmaker. Um, in the orthodox world so you can't just meet somebody you actually need someone to set you up yeah and were you looking to get married because you were 19 yeah so um i actually was um so i finished my gap year in israel and i went to new york and i was actually teaching in a preschool there so once you finish with your gap year and you start either teaching or getting a job or some people start university, that's when you actually are on the market, it's called. <laughs> I love it's called that. the Shidduch market, okay? And my grandma is like, now you're 19, you could be 19, you could be 18, you could be 20, it's time to date. Doesn't mean you need to get married right away, but you need to start dating. So yeah, so I was definitely ready to go out at that time. Walk me through that mindset a little bit from the perspective that I've never been married and I'm a hell of a lot, could be your grandmother as well, but just how, what did it mean to you or was it something that you knew you were, you just needed to do or wanted to do? So it was, it's quite funny because when I was 19, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get married when I'm 21, I'll start dating, you know, um, and then I met the right person. So I think it's, if you meet the right person you know it's the one and you know and you know with my mom and my grandma everyone encouraging me and helping me through it um yeah it was it wasn't even like a second thought like you meet the right person you get married i love it um and also a lot of 19 year olds are immature i left home when i was 13 i went to chicago for four years i lived in a dorm um so i was in a school away from home so i actually grew up 
Right. Because I had to learn how to cook, clean, and do everything. So I was pretty much like self-sufficient when I was 19. And get on with other people as well. Oh, That's of course. huge. <laughs> Definitely. So was it a feeling or when you met Daniel or did you talk to him for a little while and, and get to know him a little bit and then think, yeah, yeah, yeah? So I actually, when I was roommates with his sister the year before, she actually sent me, she showed me photos of him. And I sort of almost had like a sixth sense. I saw the photo and I go, wouldn't it be funny if we become sister-in-laws? <laughs> so like I, when I went out with him, I, I knew right away. I Absolutely knew that this is the guy I'm going to marry, which doesn't always happen, but it was something that I had a feeling. Yeah. And you guys have just made such a splash here in Australia and Melbourne. At the moment, you're uh, Rabbi and Robertson at Caulfield Synagogue, which is one of the largest synagogues in Melbourne. And you've, this is a synagogue which I went to all my life, so oh, I wow. know it. And I know that it's, it's traditional and it's been a mainstay. But you guys have introduced some amazing innovations for the whole community from the younger age group to the um, older older stage group. You have Tuesday schmoozes or something yeah, for Tuesday seniors. Schmoozer, yeah, which is really good. So yeah, we've been through a few different shows um, when we came to Australia. We started with Chabad on campus. We were in Doncaster, South Caulfield and Caulfield. And throughout the process of going to different shows, one thing about us is we work as a team. We don't, it's not just him. You know, a lot of shows is just the rabbi and the Rebbitson, or the chicken soup Rebbitson, as we call it, who makes amazing food, okay, which is beautiful, but I don't call myself the chicken soup Rebbitson. I want to be a partner, like, you know, as I call a partner in crime. Uh, we do things, everything together. I go to all the functions. I help out with everything. I'm behind the scenes. I like to dress up, feel good, be part of it, make connections, and I think that is the difference between maybe other Rebbitsons is that I'm very involved. And I think it's important to be there for the people and to also show people that you care. And it's not fake. It's actually real because I like people. I'm a people's person. And I think it's important that people see that you're genuine. And you kind of get that from when you first meet. I just quickly shared that we actually met at a nail salon and I had no idea (laughs) who you were and uh, was really shocked to find out not only that you were Jewish, but also that you were a Rebbitson. Yes. So this, and, and it was, but I loved you from like the first two minutes I met you because <laughs> I really got that warmth and that gorgeousness from you. Um, so it's, it is a very different role that you play with your husband because traditionally um, the wife of a rabbi would do Shabbat dinners and would host and everything. But you obviously came into this knowing that you were going to be this kind of partnership. So the first Jewish community here in Melbourne, what did you learn from that first experience? So you're talking about when we started in Chabad yes. on campus? Yes. So going back to being brought up with the rabbi and Rebison as my parents, I feel like they've actually taught me so much of being just a good person and you just need to be a good human being. And I think because of that, I was able to come to whatever job and position we had and bring that there. So with Chabad on campus, when we first came out, we did it for two years. 
Um, it was a bit hard because the mentality in Australia is very different to American mentality. Americans are very like in your face and very loud and Australians are a little bit more reserved and a little bit more cautious. So I slowly tried to understand the mentality and I realized and so we've learned a bit of tactics of how to actually talk to people and I realized people want to see that you're genuine. Um, and I'd go out with coffees and, and meet people one and one and they realize, oh, she's actually genuine. She's not just there to like make me Jewish or religious. She's actually cares about me. And I think that's what I've learned is just caring for another human being and showing them that you're just like them. That I think made us successful in that aspect because. And how does it, but so just tell me a little bit about how that felt when you um, knew there was something different, wasn't sure what, and needed to actually come up with a strategy that you've just explained. How did you feel knowing that you had to find that strategy? So it was definitely very hard, a bit confronting. Um, I was 24, so I was quite young. I was pretty much the same age, almost the same ages as a lot of the university students who are, let's say, doing their masters. So yeah, it was hard. But once I've learned what to do and just to be nice, um, it just, it flowed. And you just yeah. came to it naturally. It wasn't like, did you go through, did you have conversations with your husband to say, what's wrong with these people? Yeah, 100%. I shouldn't say that, but definitely 100%. <laughs> it was like, who are these people? What's going on? Why are they like so cold and rude? And then I realized it's not they're cold and rude. They have a different mentality and a different way of doing things. Because um, as I said, I'm American. My husband's actually a South African. Um, and we were brought up very differently. So it was a bit hard, but... Once we realized, okay, we're young, just like they are, you know, and understanding they're human, just like we are, and they got feelings and try to really understand that they're not like just going to be friendly right away, but they will be friendly eventually. And so I think once we sort of understood what they were looking for or what they needed, like we were able to. To be very successful and you know and feel more confident as yeah. well because you are very confident but you also have your dips and sways with hang on of course <laughs> no we're not perfect no one's perfect but definitely it's about saying not giving up and being like you know we could do it let's figure it out what to do make a plan of action and that's the way I do things I go okay we got a, a problem let's think of a plan and I love that because a lot of people, no matter what it is, whether it's a job or a relationship with somebody else, everybody has these insecurities and, and think that it's them and not the other person. It's the other person. No, <laughs> it's, it really is all about getting to know yourself a little bit better as well. Yeah. And you actually lived in South Africa for a year or so as well. Yes. Is there a difference between... There's a South African mentality and an Australian and an American. Yeah, so it's um it's very interesting because we lived there for about a year and a half. I was actually had my little son. Um, he was about three when three months. Sorry, when we moved to South Africa, and then I got pregnant with my my daughter, which my second child. Um, so it was sort of coming in with a baby, and yeah, there the mentality, the South African mentality, and Australian mentality is very different. A lot of people think that it's very similar, um, but it's extremely different because um, this South African mentality is more like they all came um, Lithuanian Jews 
before um, World War II, around World War One time. Um, whereas the Australian Jews, a lot of them are Polish-Hungarian who came after the Holocaust. Some came before, but mainly most of them are after. So it's a different different mind frame, you know, and mindset. And um, they, they're they more like, I guess, similar to Californian, a bit more laid back, but also um, very friendly when you meet them. Where the Australians, I feel like, a little bit less friendly when you meet them, a little bit more cold, a little bit more reserved, a little bit more European sort of style. So I see a very difference, but the difference is, is that with Australian Jews is once you get to know them, you know that they're your friends. Well, and yeah. uh, actually, I lived in America for 26 years, mainly California, but I actually found that with LA and New York. New Yorkers were a lot more standoffish, just as warm, just as friendly, just as gorgeous when you got to know yes. them. But um, that, that the initial um, relationships just different because why? Um, so let's just say we're going back to California New Yorkers. Let's just sort of that different mentality. You got California, which is West Coast. It's beautiful, sunny, gorgeous beaches. Everyone's more chilled. It's like everything there is slower. When you go to New York, it's like you are in the big apple. You cannot stop. You go, 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 go. It's almost like Israel. You're just going. And you keep going and you fight and you work hard. And it's that mentality of like always moving, always going. So people don't have time to be nice and friendly. They tell you to your face. So it's, and it's also the, it's, it snows there. The weather's not the best, <laughs> you know? So I always say when the, the weather's not the best, people are not as friendly. It's almost like London. It's always foggy and cold. So people are a little bit more colder over there. Yeah. So we always made fun of New Yorkers. Like you're, you're in the snow, it's freezing or it's hot, it's humid. So people, you know, they go yep. with the weather. <laughs> that kind of makes a lot of yeah. sense as well. It's like Melbourne also. You've got beautiful weather, hopefully sometimes. <laughs> but it's All got, in one day. Exactly. But we've got beautiful beaches <laughs> and people more chilled. So I think that's sort of, you know, that similar. Really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So we started just briefly mentioned some of the innovations that you've introduced. Like for seniors, every Tuesday yeah. morning they come and you have a program for them yeah um I'm not quite there yet but I did come <laughs> to a, a program because you had one of my favorite comedians Robert Yay. Wheel um, who was on and uh, I tried to get some friends to come and they said are you kidding me they're all with walkers no you could be don't worry it's all ages but I drove up and somebody from Arcare was just putting 12 walkers outside the bus for everybody to <laughs> hold on to. That's hilarious. But it's not it. just like that. It was a wonderful crowd. I really yeah. enjoyed it, but that was good. And then recently, you did something absolutely amazing. You had the matchmaker from Netflix from America. Yeah, Lisa. Um, tell me all about Lisa. I was there. I was blown away. And also by how many people? Yes, we had over 1,200 people. So that was incredible. She's just an incredible person. It was funny because, like, you know, sometimes you see people on Netflix and they go, "Oh, she's so vivacious. She's beautiful. She got, she got it." And then you meet them in person, and they're actually not nice. She's actually really nice in person too. We actually took her to like to see the kangaroos in the Moonlight Sanctuary. We took her to um to like the city, um, and we had her Shabbat dinner. And she's actually a really nice, genuine person and cares. And, and I, you just cold, cold called her, you or Daniel? My husband actually uh, messaged her on Instagram. And the funny part is um, her agent is actually was friends with him in yeshiva. 
Oh, wow. So, and I was actually in school with, with the wife, so it was like just small worlds. Um, and yeah, and we got her to come out here. So what's come out of all of that? Because lots has. Yeah, so <laughs> since then, we've actually um, started a group called YAPS, which is Young Adults Caulfield Shul, um, Young Adults Caulfield Community. And basically, what came out of this was that we've started a young adult division of the shul. They used to have something, Inker 579 or what it was called, but it was some kind of um, like young adults group, but it sort of fiddled and phased away. But we, from there, we've already had like three or four functions with young adults between 20s and 30s, and hopefully we'll have 40s. And it's been really successful. The last function, we were sold out. And people called us and said, do we have tickets? We're like, I'm so sorry. And it was really good. And I actually love the matchmaking part. So I'm trying to do a bit of matchmaking myself. Fantastic. I think yeah. that's really so needed today more than ever when everybody's on their devices and not interacting as much. And after COVID, it's... Yes, 100%. It's definitely needed. And definitely, you know, we want to um, prevent from intermarriage and we want, you know, people to meet people. And um, I think especially with what's happening now, I think um, people are becoming more excited to be within the Jewish community and meet people and get out there. Yeah, I've been so impressed with how the community is coming out and standing in solidarity with Israel after these horrendous uh, 7th of October massacres. And I just actually watched somebody on YouTube, a guy with tats and everything all over his body, saying his mother had been a Holocaust survivor. He was never into anything Jewish, but he's going, thank you, Hamas. What you've done is, for me and a whole lot of other people, you've reawakened my Jewishness wow. and seen how important it is. So what you're offering in terms of bringing these, an opportunity for people to come and meet other Jews who may be in the same situation is just so invaluable. Thank you. And I definitely do see that people, there were people that I have never seen before and they said the same thing. They said, because of the situation, we actually want to be with the Jewish community. We want to be part of it. We are very excited to be part of this, you know, um, beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's the other interesting thing that makes your what you're doing so important as well is that for somebody who's lived here all my, most of my life, I yeah. was four years old when I came out of Russia, um, and I've noticed all those years, I noticed a hesitancy. Jews didn't want to come out and identify as Jews because they were too afraid. They were they'd just come out of Europe and they didn't want to identify separately and they didn't want to put their kids in danger if you came out even to support Israel that's changed it's definitely changed and I think the reason why is you know what like there's something called social media <laughs> and it's interesting because social media could be good and it could be bad and you've seen so many people coming out of social media actually sticking up for the Jewish community and people who aren't even Jewish sticking up for the Jewish community and realizing you know yeah this is the truth and it's incredible to see that because of social media, it gets people gives people the chance to actually get up there and say what they feel without feeling like ashamed, mm. um, which is good and bad. <laughs> but we saw so much good that's come out of it, and all these young people getting up there and saying, "I don't care what they say, we are doing, and we are fighting for who we are." 
And I think when we always say never again, and a lot of us have Holocaust survivor grandparents or parents or great grandparents. Um, and that's sort of like inside of it, like engraved in us saying, ingrained in us saying like, never again, we better stay, stick up for ourselves. Cause if we don't, we don't want another Holocaust, God forbid. So I think this has been like powerful and empowering the young ones. And as a, as the rabbi's wife, as a Rebbitzin, you would also do a lot of counselling, individual as well as family? Yeah, 100%. And what have you found in terms of that, how people are feeling and what they're talking to you about? Yeah, so a lot of people are um, very scared, very nervous. Um, you know, been some people have been harassed, some people have been attacked in um, different ways. Um, for being Jewish and which is very scary, but I try to give them a bit of chizuk, you know, which is like basically giving them a bit of energy and giving them a little bit of advice of, you know, we're here together. And I think that once we are together as a whole and united as a whole, no one can stop us. Can you think of just one or two examples of something specific that somebody would, because some people... They do feel anxious, but they yeah. think, no, I'm not going to talk. What am I going to say to somebody? What is the, can, are there a couple of specific things that people came to you with, without, of course, mentioning? Yeah, food. well, one person came to me and, um, you know, unfortunately, she's a teacher in a school, um, just a regular, normal school, and someone said to her, you know, you're a baby killer, um, you know, and she was mortified. She's a mom with a kid, and to say that, like, so she came to me, and I was trying to, like, calm her down a bit. It's very disturbing, it's scary, and it's just humiliating to be called that. Especially the fact that, you know, Hamas has been doing that, and to say that to her. So, yeah, it was, I was just trying to give her a little bit of comfort. You can't really help, but you could try as much as you can to just... You know, like, give her to some, like, positivity. Did she have the knowledge or to even be able to answer that? or was she, I think she has shocked? a knowledge. I think she was shocked. Yep. I think a lot of people, yes. even if um, something happens, they're a bit more shocked than actually to respond. And then some people respond, but they think of it later. Right. So I think people are very shocked that this is happening in Melbourne, Australia. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and another friend had a a sticker stuck on his car that said a Jew is driving this car and basically wow. vandalized his car. So he was also very shocked. Um, and it's scary. Um, and, you know, and unfortunately, it's not an easy thing to be dealing with. So we just have to, as I said, be strong together. And that's... Yeah. And this, all of this is put in the hands of the police and the Anti-Defamation League. And yeah. And it's all being followed up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, you've had some amazing things, I understand, from people outside the Jewish community in terms of support as well. Yeah. Can you talk about a couple of things that... Yeah, so what was really good is we actually had a Friday night dinner with some um, MPs and politicians that actually came to my house for Friday night dinner. Um, and it was actually very positive because we had um, an Asian guy who um, was so supportive of the Jewish community in Israel and 
he was just saying like, this is not war, this is hate. He's like, I was in the army, I was a policeman, and you can't say that we're in war. He said, this is hate crimes. So it was really interesting to hear and good to hear from someone who, you know, is not Jewish, but is supportive. And that to me was like really impactful. And, you know, another MP saying that we're there for you guys, we're gonna support you, let us know if we can help with anything. Um, and, and that's really hard. And then just regular people yeah. also dropping off flowers. And, yeah. And, and, and just, and even calling up and saying, can I help you? What was really interesting is um, the other Friday I went with my kids to give out candles to light candles for Shabbat for, you know, bringing the hostages back for what's happening in Israel. And a few people came up to me and they said, oh my gosh, can we do something? And they weren't even Jewish. And they said, no, we're not Jewish, but we'd like to light, light a candle for peace in the world. And that was my little son who was eight years old came up to them and it was just so heartwarming to see that there's good people out there, people who want to support, it doesn't matter you're Jewish, not Jewish, doesn't matter who you are, we're just a human being. And that to me is just like, you know, it's everything. So when you, when you are alone with your husband and you can actually download a little bit yourself, what are some of your um, concerns or, or what are some of the things that go through your head that he helps you and also the other way around, I'm sure you help him just decompress because you're giving support to others. What mm. do you both need? In, in support for yourself, just talking through. I think things. just sharing what happened during the day or what happened, you know, a situation and just sort of telling, talking to someone, what's like, as I said, I talk to my husband or he talks to me. It just helps let it out. And I think that's really important also with mental health. Um, it's important to just let things out. And also I, I have a therapist too. And I think it's important to actually have a therapist, especially going through different things in life. And I download things to my therapist and tell her things and she helps me work out what's the best way to, to cope. So I definitely think that's also really important. That is really, really important. And also, yeah. also to know that if you're going to get a therapist, there are different therapists some might be better for you than others. Yeah. They all do their best. They're all therapists are qualified. But personality-wise, you may have to go through a few just to find the right fit. Yeah, 100%. I do agree. And I think it's with someone who's similar um, values as you, which is really important. Um, so, yeah, my therapist is really good. And I think it was really important, especially as a representative of a shul, that you meet so many people with so many different backgrounds and it's really good to sit and talk to someone about it and just let it out and just reanalyze things and you know go forward so yeah it's good to share things with your husband but sometimes you actually need someone who's not in the sort of place as you someone who's out an outsider to sort of you know listen hmm. and give you some advice so how old are your kids and what do you hear? Because kids are amazing mm. and the things they pick up and the way they pick them up are amazing. So what ages are your kids and what are the things that have surprised, delighted, upset you that they've come out with in terms of all of this that's happening around them? Yeah, so uh, my kids' ages are 17, 15, and 8. I've got three kids, two boys and a girl. Um, yeah, so I think my older ones, you know, they know exactly what's happening. Um, they all have social media and, you know, and, and I always just say, you've got a voice, voice it. 
put on your social media what's happening. And I think, you know, I tell my kids, you need to be a leader, not a follower, which I think is really important. Um, and and stick up for yourself. I was, what are you know, some of the things that have that they've been surprised by or that ha- that they've sort of been taken aback by or something that they've I think unfortunately there's a lot of hate. A lot of hate in the world. And a lot of them were a bit shocked about it. Um, and I think the, you know... How, how did you address that with them? So I just said, yeah, unfortunately, you know, we I sort of gave them a little bit of a history lesson that throughout the ages um, we're always been targeted with anti-semitism and you know your great-grandfather and the other side you know we had communism you had Nazi Germany even just you know um, in the past whatever 80 hundred years there's always been unfortunately people don't necessarily like the Jews um, and we've always been targeted but you got to stand strong you've got to be strong in what you believe in and if you're strong and you believe, then hopefully, you know, you won't be targeted. And even if you are, then we got to be a group and we got to be a whole. And I think that's really important for them to realize that. And what about your eight-year-old? So my eight-year-old's a little bit harder. Um, unfortunately, he was targeted. Um, was When my husband and him were walking, they screamed, you dirty Jew. Um, and so my son was very shocked and couldn't believe it. And he was like, what do you mean I'm a dirty Jew? I'm not dirty. So, and, and they swore also, and he was very upset. He's like, what are they trying to do? They want to kill us? So, yeah, it was, it's a bit disturbing. I said, don't worry, no one wants to kill you. No one's killing you. Um, yeah, there are people who might not like us, but um, don't worry about them. You know, you have your parents who are there to support you, and we're going to take good care of you. So it's very hard because he's eight. Like, you're not going to be sitting there and explaining a whole thing. He even said, what does pro-Palestinian mean? want to understand it so yeah it's not easy it's definitely not easy but I think for you know you have to talk to them as an eight-year-old not you know as someone who's a teenager right and you've kept yeah. most of the details of that October 7 away or you haven't been yeah able to. no I've definitely for my eight-year-old my 15 and 17 year old knows everything I'm not gonna hide it. I just think that as an eight-year-old, I don't think they should be listening or hearing this. I think he's gonna be traumatized. So, definitely, you know, it's an age. Yes, the harder, the hardest thing for people is that they believe there are always two sides to a story, and the truth is, as politically incorrect as it is, there isn't two sides to this. There are so many reasons, and I see journalists struggling who are totally standing with Israel but still trying to bring another side yeah and the other side is really just propaganda it's not another side yeah 100% the fact that um the fact that you know Israel is this tiny dot in the middle of this whole huge map of the Middle East and yet somehow the Palestinians are Israel's problem and not the problem of this huge entire middle east yeah unfortunately the unfortunate middle east they oh, everyone hates the jews which is unfortunate but the problem is is that um they don't even like each other which is sad because there's you know if you're saying the gaza border with egypt why does egypt take them in no one wants to take them in yeah. but they're happy to all hate the jews but they're not happy to do something about it yeah. um so i do agree with you 100 yeah. percent, and it's very sad to see um, you know, that the world doesn't see it. 
Um, and you know, they keep saying about genocide and ceasefire. I mean, can you imagine we said that during Nazi Germany? Like, okay, well, the Americans and the English people need to have a ceasefire and stop killing the Germans because there's hundreds of thousands of Germans being killed by the Americans and the British. Yeah. Like, you would say, are you crazy? Look what they did to these, not just Jews, um, gays, people, hippies, anybody who would help Jews or that were different, were all killed, you know? Absolutely. So, and there are some people that are just evil. Yeah, but that's As horrible the, as is, as, as non-politically correct as it is, there are some people, and we're looking at it now, yeah. who just are evil, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Be as evil as you want, just do it somewhere else. Exactly, exactly. Amongst each other, by yourself. But the scary yeah. part that I feel like with this whole thing is... We had the Russian-Ukrainian war. Did you see people going and demonstrating and saying we're going to kill and and gas the Ukrainians or gas the Russians? No one said that. Look how many wars there are, how many people are killing people in different countries. No yeah. one's saying anything, but when it comes to Israel, well, the Jews, then the whole world's getting involved. And thank God for the IDF because yes. as divided as Israel was, and Israel... I mean, God bless, but you've got right wing and left wing, which were ready to kill each other. 100%. You've got orthodox and completely not orthodox, yeah. and they're all ready to kill each other. But this has totally united. And if you really look at what Israel is doing, like really look at it, they're going street by street. They know exactly what to do. They know exactly where people are. They're taking this seriously. 100%. So I do it 100%. And that's what I said about, thank God we have Israel and thank God we have the Israeli army. Because if not, we would not We would have another Holocaust. <laughs> so we are very lucky and we are so grateful for the Israeli army um, who stopped. It could have gone worse. So thank God. And they are the best army in the world. Yes. They're, they're caring. They actually look what they're doing before they fire things. I mean, no other army would have done that. So... You know, they should. People should see the and truth. If you think of armies, and especially there was some documentary on the rush. They're big, tough guys. They're yeah. all you know, army people. These are little Jewish boys that were doctors and lawyers and and people that worked in supermarkets. And they're just little Jewish boys who have 100%. become soldiers. Yeah. And that is just the greatest miracle of all it is and i think the best part of this all that i see is that how people from all around the world have come to israel that yes. they're called miluim right so they're basically the reserves coming and actually joining the army and people who are as you said doctors lawyers people are just regular jobs are actually coming to israel to help fight um for israel and that is incredible and the rallies that are going around the world we won't call them rallies they're just the Jewish and Israelis and people coming together to bring peace and unite and it's a love and we are dancing and we are singing and we're eating. We're not screaming and chanting to kill people. We are about love. And, and you that's could, the biggest right? difference. And that that's is a, the biggest yeah. difference. Yeah. And I also saw a bunch of cowboys yes. who were not Jewish come to Israel. How so that? Yeah, it's to absolutely go and awesome. Fruit and veggies from you so know, yeah. extended family. Yeah. So just pulling back to yeah. you and your life a little bit yeah. um, but it was important to at least discuss this now yeah. but you've got 
Um, there are nine of you children in the family. Ten. Ten, ten of you yeah. children in the family. How do you keep up? How do you keep in touch? Um, what and do you keep in? Can you keep in touch with ten people? Yeah. So um, I have an older brother. I'm the oldest girl, and yeah. So I was. And they call me the bossy boots of the family, I guess because like I was the second mom and someone had to help my of mom course. out. <laughs> but yeah, we have a WhatsApp chat, a family WhatsApp chat. So we're constantly sending photos and videos and being in touch. And once in a while, we do like a family video chat, which is really good. Are they all over the world? Uh, mainly in America. I have one sister here in, in Melbourne, Australia, nice. which is really good. Um, and then um, the rest is, yeah, in New York. San Francisco and Texas. Are there some you like more than others? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't expect I don't think, you to I don't think to like to more than others. I think like it's more closer. In my, closer because in our yeah. family, we sort of have like, I call it three generations. We have the older, the middle and the younger. How often do you stay in touch with your mum, for example? Oh, I call my mum every day. Yes. Literally every oh day. Oh my God, how yeah. gorgeous I actually that? just spoke to her right before I came in. <laughs> I'm really close with her. So yeah, we're, we're really close and I speak to her all the time, so it's nice. And when you were younger, you actually spent a year living with your grandma? Yeah. So when I was um, grade seven, so till grade six I was in primary and America um, primary is till grade eight. Um, so grade six, um, grade six, Basically, it was my last year, and then grade seven, um, the school didn't have my grade, unfortunately. So they, my mom sent me to my grandma in New York. Was it just you with just your two group? Just Wow, me. after coming out of a... F- it was that, the best experience ever. Number one, I had my room to myself. <laughs> I didn't have to share a bathroom with like 50 million siblings. And I just got really close with my grandma. And that was really special. And I think like I would never be able to get that back. She taught me how to cook. She taught me, we took me out to restaurants. She taught me how to cut out coupons to save on things. She, well, you know, taught me, she would go shopping with me, taught me how to put makeup on. And it was just like, we had such a good relationship. It was incredible. Mom's mom, dad's mom. Mom's mom. (laughs) And my mom's mom, she was the one who um, was brought up in Poland and then tried to escape with the family and was deported to... um, to Siberia, and then um, after a few later, years later in the DP camps, they went to New York. So she was one person who never wasted food, knew like had a secret closet with, if there was a World War Three, we would be safe. She had every food, everything. She would buy like 10 of, so I guess that was the war mentality, but she taught me, you know, like how to be a grown up and how to take care of myself and, you know, which was incredible. Gorgeous. So is she still with us? She's or? still alive, yeah. How gorgeous. So, yeah. And do you make sure that you spend still spend one-on-one time with her now that you've grown up and you've got Yeah, so she family? lives in New York, but I do try to call her um, before Yom Tov, and I try to call her and just, you know, we, we talk, and she's just like, she's a, bu- she's a bubbly, fun person. So, and yeah. How often do you get back to, to, to America to see the family? Um, so I try to go once a year, and my family usually comes here. My parents come here once a year. Um, so, yeah, it was hard during COVID because um, we couldn't visit them. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see my family and, you know, hopefully go back for simchas, like weddings. Nice, um, so nice, nice. Really special. 
And you make sure that your kids know her. And... Oh, of course. They know her and they make sure that they know my grandparents. And FaceTime? Do you use that? Yes, much? we do. We do a lot of FaceTime and WhatsApp video chats all the time. And my kids always call her. And Gorgeous. It's really nice. And my son actually was just there for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, my older son. And he got to spend time with my parents. So that was You've really got nice. grown up. I mean, your kids are grown up already. Yeah, they I are. was surprised when you said the ages because you look so much younger than... Oh, thank uh, you. Than, but I guess when you start at 19 or 20, there's, yeah. there's sort That's of places to go. And then you also, before that year with your grandmother, you also spent uh, four years of high school with... Um, at a boarding at a boarding, boarding type school, yeah. school what was that like getting away from home at yeah. that young age yes I was 13 when I left home and it was really hard not easy um, it's not like living at home with living with my grandparents my grandma it's different but when you're in a boarding mm. school it's you share a room I shared a room with like three other girls you actually have to learn how to communicate you have to learn how you know if someone you don't necessarily like you don't have a choice so it was hard. It was hard being away from home. You had to learn how to cook. You had to learn how to go shopping. You literally learn how to grow up. So it was a positive thing that you're mature, but it was hard. It was a bit of a shock. It from... was. It was hard just being away from Because when you say f- sharing a room and other personalities, well, you came out of a place where you share a room. And I know, but it's your sisters. It's different when it's just your family. When then when it's other people that you don't know and you don't necessarily like and you don't have a choice. Tell me a little bit about that only in the context that that's people find that every day. They don't have to live with them, but they come across people that they need to get on with. How did you and you would have had to nobody was there to tell you how to do it or what to do. What did you figure out? I think I realized that, you know, the small things just don't take it to heart. You know, a lot of times people dwell on little things and they go, oh, no, she's annoying, she talks like this, she talks like that, does that, does this. No. If it's annoying you, just block it out of your head, you know, and just move on. And I just think you also learn that we're all human and we all like similar things or some things you might like and she doesn't like, but we all learn to get along because you just have to look at the positives. Yes. Okay. There's so much negative out there. If you focus on negative, you cannot survive. You have to focus on positive. So sometimes people could annoy you, but think of something positive you like about them. And then when you think of the positive thing about like them, then you focus on that and it doesn't get you annoyed. Right, exactly. And it's all about, <laughs> and it's being self, a good selfish in a way because how do I keep myself happy? Oh, 100%. But the other thing you have to learn is also how learning space. And so we would, I would actually go into a closet there and I would go on my phone and I would talk to my mom on the phone and I would just be like, okay, I have my own personal space. So it's also important to learn how to get along, but also to have some time for yourself, like yep. self-care. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, just you've got a little bit of time left, but just tell me a little bit about what you love about Melbourne, Australia and Melbourne in particular. Okay, so I love Australia. I like, we. it's beautiful. Um, it's a very pretty place. It's also like, it's a bit... Um, a bit more safe than America. Like you walk around, you don't have to feel, you know, um, that someone's out to get you or things like that or gangs, hopefully. But it definitely has a lot of um, positivity in that way. Um, it's 
like the city is beautiful so much have you traveled a little bit out of town along the peninsula or up yeah. into the mountains so i love the great ocean the great ocean is my favorite place it reminds me of california so you got beautiful beaches and everyone's so chilled and relaxed you know so it's really nice um beautiful cafes and it's just it's when i feel like when a place is beautiful and exciting and it, it inspires just inspires you. you yeah absolutely yeah now I have to ask you, do you make time for just you and your husband to get away <clears throat> sometimes, either for a weekend or for, not, well, weekends are difficult, but just for a couple of days or even like a weekly or monthly dinner or something? Yeah, so we try to go out by ourselves um, sometimes. We used to do date nights, but the problem with us doing date nights is you go to the restaurant and you know everybody. <laughs> Because we keep kosher. There's only kosher restaurants. And so it was hilarious. One time we went to the Kimberly Gardens. And I knew everybody on every table. There was like 20 tables. And I'm like, I like it. But it's not quality time with me and him. We have to say hi to everyone. So I'm like, that's it. I'm like, we're not going to restaurants anymore. We have to just go walks or whatever it is. So I do love seeing people. Don't get me wrong. It's just not a date night. So we started doing every few months to go also like we go away to Mornington for one night or we'll go to the city for a night and just without the kids. So, you know, you we have a break. But yeah, definitely think it's very important to make time together. Even just a nice walk for an hour um, and catch up and just be yourself. And, you know, it, it, yeah. It sounds like you intend to stay in Australia for a while. Yeah. You, you, have you made plans to maybe go to Israel or to for anything else, or you're just happy with what you're doing at the moment? Um, well, let's hope Mashiach comes and we can all make Aliyah. <laughs> and I tell you, it, it has felt like it's getting really, really yes, close. Yes, I think that's the next step. I think we'll all go to Israel <laughs> together with Mashiach, so that's definitely my plan. But until then, um, you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe used to always say that you got to make your place. It's like a like a little Ma'at, which is a little um, like place where there is a bit of a temple, which means that we got to, you know, sort of, um, you know, teach people and tell them, you know, more about Judaism and teach people how to love yourself and please God by doing that and teaching people about more about Judaism and how beautiful it is. We'll get everyone together to go to Israel. <laughs> Sounds like a great plan yeah. to me. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed talking to you and um, and looking forward to getting to know you better. Is there anything coming up very soon or that you're planning that people should know about before we finish? Um, yeah, so Hanukkah's coming up really soon. So we are going to be doing a young adult's Hanukkah party, which will be on the 7th of December on the Thursday night, which is really exciting. And we're having um, an adults party and we're having a kids party. So, which is really exciting. So awesome. I'm very looking forward to that. And do you have enough people helping you with all of this and organizing all of this? Or do you, would you still like more people to come and volunteer and help? And how do they do that and what do they do? Yeah, so we do have, um, which is great for the young adults. We do have a lot of volunteers, but definitely for the adults and kids kind of, parties we're always looking forward to getting some volunteers that people could come and help and you know speak to the show if they could help out but we always love that and awesome that. yeah and today's friday so good shabbos yes good shabbos yes and this is your day of rest although i'm sure it should be a day of rest but i'm having 20 people for dinner tonight omg so you're not cooking by yourself um i already cooked last night so OMG, organized. get out of here. 
Thank you very, very much. <laughs>